Welcome back to Big Content. That's Jack Settlement. I am Nick Ercolano. And today's docket, we have tons of TikTok and YouTube shorts content as usual because we're here to try to help the little man, all right? Being held down by big media, we're trying to get you to break through. And two of the biggest opportunities have just kind of, you know, either been announced or launched in my opinion, we have YouTube Shorts doing some new things. We have TikTok doing some new things, and we want to dive into everything that's going on in that world. Uh, we just both got back from some uh, exciting trips, so maybe we can recap those a little bit. So you went to Germany for the <laughs> Bucks and Seahawks game. Incredible. Yeah, forty-eight hours in Germany was actually the perfect that's, amount of that time. Sounds like the perfect like title for something. Just like forty-eight hours yeah. in Germany. It's, hey, that's a we're looking for a title for our actual uh, YouTube video from it, so maybe that'll be it. But we spent forty-eight hours in Germany. It was the perfect amount of time in Munich. Now spending sixteen hours on flights for only forty-eight hours probably not the most efficient use of time. But we had to get back. We made it to Philly for Monday Night Football. I met Commissioner Roger Goodell at baggage claim. So successful trip. How'd that conversation go? Nine hours. Uh, I I was on a little sleeping medication, so maybe not myself. But he had also taken it. Funny that he wasn't flying private also. You guys are both high as shit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And uh, I introduced myself. You know, we talked. I was like, we're actually going to Philly for Snapback Mondays. That's what we do. We go to every Monday football game. He said, good luck. Nice to meet you. It's funny. We're working with like 18 different people at the NFL, international team, each unique team when we go uh something that we're trying to set up potentially with Goodell so it was good to put a face to a name I guess and if we ever reference it down the line maybe he'll be like oh that's the guy who bothered me at baggage claim you know what I love about this relationship between you and me is like I genuinely like you as a person and (laughs) and we're friends but I can't wait to squeeze out these relationships (laughs) we don't have a single relationship with like any single person in the NFL not a team not an employee not anything yeah and I know like tomorrow if I hit you up and I was like yeah put me in contact with like this person you would do it in a second 100% it's fucking a beautiful well if if you're delivering value like, if I think you could do something for, like, I just Yeah, got, I wouldn't be like, yo, just, like, get me on a text, right, with this person. I just want to talk to <laughs> well, them. Well, you'd think not, but I get people all the time who hit me up, like, yo, you got tickets to this game tonight? I'm like, who the fuck do you yeah, think Yeah, you know I, I would never do some shit like that. You just come with Unless. me to the yeah. next game. <laughs> all right, so the trip was good. Um, so tell me about, like, conversing with the NFL fans out there in Germany, because you did some tailgate interviews, right? We, and, so we didn't do a ton. I would say that what was really cool about it was, like, 90 95% German like the crowd was German they all speak English but we a lot of our content it's crazy you know, you know being in Germany they're all German but but if you went to the London game like you get a lot of Americans there Mexico City I'm sure we'll have a lot of Americans there this was all German so our content we don't fuck with people but like you got to be able to think yeah. on the fly and like that wasn't the type of content we were gonna do so we kind of just vlogged the whole thing the coolest part was we ended up with these VIP tickets through the NFL got them at the last minute we didn't even think they were gonna work we start walking in they keep upgrading us and like we end up in this insane VIP experience with like the top soccer players in the world celebrities somewhere we should absolutely not have been uh but we got good content from it so it was it was good and Germans are not mean that's the biggest myth that I that I learned uh they're super nice people that's what I was going to ask because I have this idea that I've never been to Europe before, but I have this idea that if I were to go to Europe, people would identify me as an American and yeah. then automatically be like, you know, fuck that guy. And <laughs> I think in certain parts, probably. But you have to understand, as long as you're respectful, like I, the one American moment was they're still wearing masks on the subway. 
Like, but the second they're off, like in buildings, in restaurant, everything, no mask, nightclub, all that stuff. But like as a respect thing, and we didn't have ours. That was the moment where I was like, I don't feel great about this. Like I should just be respecting what they're doing. As long as you're not an asshole, like they'll be nice. So when you were going around like before the stadium or like by the stadium before you went in and you had the camera going and stuff, people were like inviting of that stuff? Or, I did, would you, say or did you they, just like kind of really stay out of the it. way? Yeah, they okay. weren't really in it. Uh, but yeah, everyone was so nice. Germany, it was, it was a great trip. And the NFL crushed it. Like, I don't know if you saw my video, but there were thousands and thousands of people three hours before the game ready to go in. So it was it was cool. I've, I've been really, really surprised by how good the NFL has been with the international games and yeah. how how passionate the international fan base is about the NFL games. And um, I, I felt like if you had pitched it to me prior to them uh, having international games, I'd be like at 50-50. Like, I feel like some of these Europeans might be like, get the fuck out of our, yeah. our, our country or whatever. But they show out. The coolest part about it always is, was there an overwhelming majority of certain fans in the stadium? The Seahawks like, fans traveled well. Really? And then there were a lot of Brady fans. Brady Bucks. Germany fans. feels like they'd be a Bucks team or like a Brady team. It's Tom. Yeah, yeah. it's Tom. Um, and, and that's a cool thing too is, right, because we're here, we know he's the best football player ever, but you never really think about other markets. You see it with the NBA guys, right? If they go to China, you'll see the, yeah. the reaction. But, like, Tom in Germany, you know, that's the greatest football player ever. It's a cool experience. They were probably so disappointed. <laughs> <by the way. laughs> no, he played well. No, he played he the did, Bucks. I, I know, but, like, they're probably like, Tom Brady the GOAT. They're <laughs> expecting, like, Patrick Mahomes out there on the field yeah, right now. You yeah. know, don't get that. But, yeah. yeah, it's always cool watching the international games because it's, like, in Mexico or London or whatever, it's, like, a rainbow out yeah. in the fucking yeah. out in the stadium. Well, that cool. was we were capturing content of, like, all the different jerseys. The most popular jersey was Larry Fitzgerald Cardinals jersey, actually. <laughs> that Very would have been, like, number 200 but on they, my list There were rankings. Sam Ficken jerseys. There were Todd Gurley Falcons jerseys. Uh, no, like it, Not my favorite. Uh, well, all right, so, so let me let me pitch you this, because this was my genius idea. I came off drugged up um, and going to the, <laughs> the game. best ideas. So it was the first game in Germany, and I don't know if this would work now that it's the sixth game in London or 26th game, whatever it might be. But for the first game in Germany, the NFL is thinking about acquiring international fans, right? That's why they go there mm -hmm. and activate there. Do teams think about it, right? Do teams think about the opportunity? Because in my opinion, I don't know what the cost would be at scale to print 50,000 jerseys, but if the, at the NFL tailgate experience, if 50,000 Seahawks jerseys were just given away and all you had to do was like follow them on Instagram, you would have 50, you would have 40,000 Seahawks fans for life because every person over there had a different story as to why they're a fan. And I just don't know if people are thinking of like customer acquisition on the grounds, which coming off your trip to Penn State, like I think after COVID that's been lost a little bit. It's a really good question slash discussion and I think it would go back to the owner of the team because most people take the owners not for granted but they just think of them as like the owner of the team but realistically you have like Arthur Blank for the Falcons is also like a co-founder of Home Depot right. like these sports teams while yet we all know the owners because we're passionate about the teams these guys are businessmen so I'm sure they're thinking of customer acquisition and I'm sure they're thinking it's it's probably exciting for their teams to go internationally because they have the opportunity to expand and they know the direction the NFL is going, they're like, hey, if, if we continue to, you know, pour more and more games into the international markets, 
we will probably go down that path and it'll, it'll be a much bigger plan for the NFL overall. And like, yeah. we want to be the first to market there. Um, so it's a really, it's, it's an interest, interesting discussion. I'm sure it goes owner by owner about how good of a businessman you are and how, you know, what direction you want to take the team. But mm-hmm. it's really, um, it's, it's, it's cool to see it happening slowly. And I'm sure we'll see more. I'm sure they are doing things that I'm just like not aware of. And I'm not really pay, paying attention to the marketing of yeah. specific NFL But teams. that's league stuff, right? Like there's probably no reactivation with their new subset of German fans unless they go back there in five years. You're a fan of the Falcons. For what reason? Uh, when I was super young, Mike Vick came in the league. I thought he was the most electric. I was just young, vulnerable, impressionable. And I was like, right. this guy's a fucking beast. I love him. Now I love this team. And I just stuck with him since. I don't know what the splits are. I would imagine 60, 70, maybe 80%, maybe higher of fans are, it's market-based, right? So it's like where you yeah. grew up, where you live. But there's a large subset of fans who are just inspired by players, by teams. It's the first jersey. It's the first game they saw on yeah. TV. That's a, that's a really good point. The jersey thing is a story that you'll hear from so many people. It's like, this was the first jersey i got from my mom and they're fans for life my brother's a tottenham fan because clint dempsey you know went and played for them and so now for 15 years we've gone to london gone to a game we buy merch every year we tune into every game we bet on it like because of one moment point yeah and if i just think it was such a missed opportunity if if they had just been handing out seahawks or bucks jerseys they would have had fans for life generations you know nfl teams need to get in contact with toys r us buy their email list and then just start peppering those fucking kids. <laughs> that's what they need to do. They need to no, start targeting the younger demographic. They do. I mean, that's like, why they work with brands like us. Because, yeah. you know, you can, I've spun fans into Lamar Jackson, which will then make them a Ravens fan. Really? Your if content they, would make me hate Lamar Jackson. I've also done that, right? So, <laughs> it, you know, it's that young, impressionable audience. But I think, like, that's the value in... It, it's tough because all these smart business people, right, they measure ROI and, you know, CAC cost of... Uh, I'm sure I'm sure they're looking at it for sure. They're they're playing on fields that I couldn't even really like right. fathom when it comes to the scale right. of an But NFL like lifetime value of of if you had given out one jersey that costs you thirty dollars to make of DK Metcalf. $30, $60, two, a $200 authentic jersey would but, but be paid back to, to Right, right, but I'm it. saying for them to do it, yeah. yeah. Tickets, you know, you th- that person's probably buying 15 different game tickets in their life. They're probably buying three more jerseys. Yeah. They're probably buying, you know, a million different yeah. things, whatever yeah. the case may be. Um, the reason I asked you about, like, the camera and whether or not people are inviting, because we went to Penn State this weekend as a team. Uh, Mojo sent us, and we we relived college again, basically, for a weekend. <laughs> Friday night, we were at a frat party. Saturday, we you were went at, to the frats. Oh, we went to the frats. Wow. We did the frats correctly. Yeah, Saturday, we hosted a tailgate. A couple hundred people, a few hundred people came by the tailgate as, as it was going on. Saturday night, we went out to Champs downtown at Penn State. You uh, skipped the line? Oh, yeah. We skipped right there. They just skipped the line? Bouncer, Ike, baby. Dude, Shut up. Yo, when I tell you, like, okay, we got into the stadium at the Penn State game. The people directly in front of us, the mm-hmm. people next to us, the people behind us, the people three row, everyone knew who the fuck we were. Yeah. It was crazy, dude. Uh, we did buy line leap, though, to get through, but we wouldn't have had to because the bouncer, both of the bouncers, like, as soon as they saw us, they were like, Ike, baby. It was crazy. <laughs> That's funny. Regardless, though, I realized just how attached to the ca- When I think of going around, like, New York with cameras, yeah. I think people being like, yo, get that out of my face, stop filming, whatever. Yeah. The minute we showed up anywhere with Ike having a camera strapped around his neck, <sighs> just, like, faces in the camera every <laughs> Everybody wanted to be a part. Yo, what are you doing? What are you doing with this? Where is this going? I want yeah. to see it. Like, can I be a part of it? And we're like, yeah, it's like YouTube, TikTok, whatever. Like, oh my God, that's fucking sick. Yeah. And it was a really inviting experience. And that's not typically what I would think of when I think of like a frat party, a college tailgate, that kind of stuff. And it was, um, it was eye-opening and it made me like college, the college demos for sure are... That's where Barstool 8 
and they continue to eat, and you see the intense level of fouling, and I think that's true for your brand. Yeah, this was the first like thing that we pulled off together as a team that I feel like everybody was equally invested into, mm-hmm. and it was um, it was awesome. It was super fulfilling. We got to meet a ton of people that we knew. Everywhere we went, we were like meeting new people that had followed our stuff, and it was just really cool to see a lot of the hard work that we've put in in the office kind of come to fruition in, in real life and give us something that we're working towards. And now we're like, yo, next time we plan a trip, we're all looking forward to that trip. Yeah, but we yeah. know that we got to work in between that. Um, overall, yeah, the, the weekend was super, super dope. A lot of fun. So you were talking on TikTok because the clip of, you know, how your expenses go and monthly burn and all that was going viral. Then you're posting a ton about it. Trips are expensive, right? Like the the van rental, the hotel, mm-hmm. like the, the costs just sneak up on you, especially mm-hmm. if you're traveling with a large team. Now, this was sponsored, right? But I think you see the benefits in going and just doing it yourself, right? I will say I'll, I'm going to be, as we venture more into like the trip game, Yeah, I will be hesitant to make any trips that aren't at least like 80% fully paid for. They're expensive. That didn't make sense. 80%, 80% paid for. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they are expensive. They rack up very, very quickly and they don't, obviously they're brand builders and they're really fun to do yeah. it. They don't directly tie to like revenue. And it was something I said, I put up a TikTok basically doing like an inner office kind of speech, just like recap of the mm-hmm. weekend or whatever. And I was like, yeah, like YouTube makes us money, but TikTok made us, you know, right. recognizable, famous, whatever the words you want to use yeah. for it. It links back to like, we don't, we're not making money off those trips. So if we are, we're, we're getting them paid for, there's not a plus on it. And what that does is there's a plus and negative to everything. So if we're getting plus, 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 plus from this trip, but it's not monetarily, there's mm-hmm. probably a minus on the monetary or monetary yeah. side of our business because it comes from YouTube. It zaps, I, I'm most of our YouTube. So it zaps a lot of like my energy to focus on that because I'm not, if I'm gone Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's a lot less work I can put in a lot less research, a lot less preparation right, right. for the things that do make us money. So it's a fine balance for right now. So me losing money on trips like that would be worth it on a personal level and a mm-hmm. fun level and like great for like bonding <laughs> experience and stuff. I'm not yet ready until we see a big return on something like that, which we'll have to devise different plans in order to make money off of it. I, th- I think that goes back to the NFL conversation, which is like, how do you look at the lifetime value? Because mm-hmm. every single one of those people you met, and especially the ones that end up in the video, you got them for life. They're yeah. lifelong fans. They'll tune into everything. They'll support you. They'll actually do the most important thing, which is share with people outside of your already following. But it's untrackable, yeah. right? Like Lifet- that's the Lifetime value part. is like, it's a good KPI for businesses that have a lot of runway. Right. When right. we're out here grinding on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis, yeah. it's like, okay, the lifetime value of a customer over six years, basically a useless metric for us. Not right. really, because we're playing this for life, of course, yeah. but like when we are trying to pay the bills month-to-month, like it doesn't actually matter that month. When you're yeah. when you're a tech company that has $5 million backing in the funds and you're like, okay, we have a runway of two or three years, lifetime value does matter. But for yeah. us, I, I would argue it's, it's a little bit more difficult to break something like that down. Overall, though, fucking incredible weekend so, uh, yeah. how great is college it was awesome when i went it was might have been even better now that people know us there <laughs> I, I don't want to say like you're a loser by any stretch and i'm not talking to you i'm talking to the audience oh no i felt it don't worry but the but the people who say like college isn't the best four years of your life i like feel bad for because i genuinely now there's oh, amazing it, moments outside of college but i'm like very much how, team how college. 26 you're 26 okay um uh, i will say without a doubt my best four years have come out of college. Yeah. Like not in college. Yeah. I think all of my twenties outside of college have been my, I think your next four years will be the best four years of your life. They are. They keep getting better and more fun. But I also, I like to think they're not the most successful years of your life. They're not the coolest. Like to me, they're just 
because what I studied, it was so easy. It was just you hang with your friends, you drink, and you, like, have fun. Yeah. And it was like, that's, you can never do that again, ever. Maybe. Maybe. I mean. I mean, you your, did it. This yeah, week. I'm still, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think in your line of work, I, I think there's something to be said for that, like yeah. the lack of responsibility, the lack of, you know, things that you really have to do, and on the flip side, being able to have so much fun while doing it, versus um, the type of fulfillment you get when you're out of college and you're really striving oh, yeah. for things. And yeah, you're, no, you're not, the the you know, the girls or the party, that will not make you internally happy at all. Mm. But you'll have a shit ton of fun doing it. <laughs> <A little> bit. <laughs> but yes, living your life mission and building a company and supporting people, yes, that will fulfill you and make you happy and your job and life and marriage and kids and all that great stuff. That is better than college. But like they're both having more ways, fun. You can't have more fun. Maybe. Maybe not. That was the best weekend of your 2022. That was the best weekend of my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about um, YouTube shorts. Let's talk about TikTok. So I did a screen record. I thought over the weekend, I thought I sent it to Jack, but I saw a new feature pop up on YouTube, which I shared in big content. And some of the guys were pretty pumped about it. Basically, you put out a normal YouTube video and someone comments on it and you can reply similar to TikTok. You could reply directly to that comment as a YouTube short. That takes out so much where it almost it takes out the idea of having to think of a piece of content having to think of like a thumbnail or a title because the words are already on the screen you don't have to put up the text and stuff and it's an easy way to rip off three to four pieces of youtube short content a day for people that don't want to sit down and strategize and i I'd, i wouldn't even say it's lazy because the comments that you're getting on your videos are the pieces of content that people want to know about and people want to see so it's a direct correlation to good pieces of content because a good piece of content is just what people value I'm, I'm super excited about this. I put out, I tried it for the first time yesterday, put out two easy, ripped them off in one take, uploaded them. This is something that I'm going to be capitalizing on for the rest of the year. And I'm really excited to see what it does next summer when fantasy football content mm. is really, really, um, is really hot. So I'm going to fully embrace this feature. And I also think with a lot of these platforms, anytime they drop a new feature, they want to reward the people that use it. So, you know, I use that feature and I put a video out and it gets 10,000 views. That's also, you know, in that 10,000 bucket, there might only be like 20 content creators in that entire thing, but that makes 20 content creators aware of that new feature. And it's kind of like an exponential rollover effect. So YouTube will be rewarding people like me who start doing this early because they want to spread that. It's free awareness and marketing for a mm -hmm. new feature on their platform. So I think right now is the time to absolutely, um, absolutely hit that. So you have done a lot of that on your personal TikTok. Last night you fired what, nine off? Like nine in a row. So, much, yeah. <laughs> and, and some popped and some didn't. And I wanted to have a conversation about premium versus the spray and pray. So I've always said TikTok feels like post a hundred times a day, just get it out there. If one video gets 80 views and one gets 80,000, that's a good thing. You have a video with 80,000. YouTube shorts has felt a little more premium to me. I don't know if it's because not everyone has a YouTube account they post to, not because people are using YouTube as more like a Netflix right now and shorts is their new form of content. This type of engagement, I don't use YouTube shorts enough to know. Like, are people engaging in comment sections enough to have this functionality be like a, all right, same as TikTok, just post, post, post? Uh, it, it's something I can't really answer right now because I haven't used it enough. I've only used it like twice. But I remember in the summer, anytime I post YouTube shorts, a lot of the comments were like, yo, I love the YouTube shorts. Like, please keep posting these. Please keep doing these. Bite-sized information. That also might siphon off a part of the audience. Mm -hmm. I don't really know yet. I think the reason that it feels more premium is 
it goes back to one of the conversations we had in one of the earliest big content podcasts where it was like, YouTube has not done a good job separating the two. Right. The spray and pray on YouTube is going to be a weird thing that I don't know how it's going to work because... Because every YouTube video, right? It's, it's like, like they should like, be two different premium. apps still. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like you should be able to use the comment reply, but then like upload it to the YouTube Shorts app. So exactly. it's they're still just very different and separated. And I don't really know what their plan is to continue to separate them to the point where people feel like they are different things. TikTok is a great spray and pray app because you don't have any other types of content. You don't have like <laughs> yeah. well-formatted, like horizontal content. So everything feels like um, documented. Everything feels like it's just, just going with the flow and going with your life or whatever, where YouTube is so curated to the point where that's what we think of yeah. with YouTube. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really necessarily have a strong take on it, but I want to be one of the first people to experiment with it at a high level because I'd like to do what you guys did, right? Yeah. And, and kind of like pop off on the YouTube shorts game. Mm -hmm. And if that helps the other side of it, great. If it doesn't, then we still have a strong base with the horizontal right, right. videos, you know? So the edited thing is the other thing. TikTok is like the worst quality content seems to work from time to time. YouTube shorts, everything you did fantasy wise, right, is, is an edited video, graphics, you mm -hmm. know, quick moving stuff. Those reply stuff, do you think that will still work? Like, can you add an edited video to a reply? Can you upgrade essentially the I quality? don't know. I actually haven't experimented with like the different features that it allows. Um, I think it allows the same features as you would for a normal YouTube short. So okay. whatever you're allowed on that, you could put text onto the screen. Gotcha. You could put other things onto the screen. It's obviously not going to be as curated. Um, but like when you're firing TikTok, you just have the question and you. Yeah. And not a shirt, apparently. Yeah, every once in a while. Well, what happened was like I did eight and then I was like, I'm kind of ready to go to bed or whatever. So I took my shirt off and then I was like, wait, I kind of want to hit this one more comment. <laughs> so I'm just going to rip it with my shirt off. Uh, with with YouTube, I, um, I lost my train of thought, to be honest. But like... I, I just think the question is there. It's so easy to do. Yeah. As long as you're giving value, I think it'll relate. That's to what I was going to so. say. That's your that's your go to. And I agree. If you're a small creator doing bicep curl techniques, right, just get in there and answer all your fans questions. Like that's so easy. Like, OK, you make a you make a, a, a video of doing like a workout routine. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're like, wait, can you like what did you do on that last rep or whatever? Yeah. Reply comment YouTube short, have a camera like or, like uh, vertical, just like close up on your bicep and be like, this, this is where you really want to focus right Makes now. It's just flexing. Boom, all 15 seconds. Right I have like no muscle left on my fucking <laughs> arm anymore. Um, but I think I I think this is such a good upgrade to YouTube shorts. And I, I love that they did this. And I think they're going to continue to. I mean, we've just been hammering home TikTok, YouTube shorts, TikTok. YouTube. Yeah. Look at our fucking big content page right now. It has more subscribers already than our YouTube page, yeah. which started off with a thousand. Well, speaking of that. There is a rumor, maybe not a rumor, maybe a confirmed report. TikTok says they are adding a podcast app or capability to the app. So you've probably seen our TikToks on your app before or our content on your TikTok. And you get, you know, 30 seconds, a minute. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. I'll follow. But you're just going to see bite-sized clips. Now, it sounds like there's potential where you could watch the rest of the podcast, maybe on the app or on an accompanying app. I think that's a massive opportunity because I could say... Personally, TikTok has made me stop listening to podcasts for this reason, this reason alone. The best clips I feel like get uploaded. So why am I going to go listen if I know I'm going to see stuff that's interesting to me on my feed curated for me? So now this does feel like, let's use a football example because there's some football podcasters that I see. It's like they start having a conversation about Tua this year. Well, I want to hear the extended version of it. Maybe I go listen then. But I don't know. Do you do you consume a lot of podcast clips on your TikTok or YouTube short? Yeah, I've, I've definitely found myself watching more clips of podcasts on TikTok and probably winding down a little bit on full-length podcasts that I 
listen to and I'm like more curated with it. What I want to see, and, and the weird part about this, I guess, is it's not necessarily like a confirmed source. So is Brett Dash underscore. TikTok is preparing to launch a podcasting app that will allow users to tune into full episodes without leaving the app. So it's like a little bit contradictory. It's like they're launching an app that will allow users not to leave the TikTok app. So I don't know how it works. I would love to see, I mean, it's an awesome feature if they do it correctly, because like you said, so many people watch clips and then they're left asking for more. So if they can make this like a seamless process where it's the clip and then there's an opportunity to just click on a link or something uh, on a tagged link even, that takes you to the full episode. I would like to have it set up where it's like the playlist, you know, you have playlists on a creator's profile or whatever. They can make like episodical things or um, I w- I'd like to see it come to fruition like that, where you can have full length podcast episodes on the profile that people can listen to. It's going to be a little bit weird because most um, podcasts are filmed like this horizontally. And mm-hmm. I don't want them to start shoving horizontal yeah. content onto TikTok. It would be a little bit weird. So I don't know how they would necessarily do it. I Spotify guess, does it. You can watch video podcasts. and it's Yeah, but no one goes on Spotify being like, oh, this is vertical. Like, this is what I want to do. And yeah, then yeah. it's not native to the platform right. necessarily. So if they can integrate do you, it. All right. The question is, do you think it's a good opportunity? It's a don't care about it opportunity. Amazing opportunity. Okay. If we can continue to grow our TikTok page through this podcast, through the clips, and also be able to put the full content onto it, that's, you know, that's the dream. Yeah, I saw an account this morning. These two guys do a podcast, and it I've never watched the podcast ever, but they have two and a half million followers. So what is their conversion, right? I have no clue, but I know if that their podcast could be found right on the app, that it would be higher. Yeah, your conversion rate is going to be higher no matter what your goal is when you have an audience tuning in for a longer period of time. Yeah, and um, and you don't have to leave platform yeah. is, is the idea. And we don't have to worry, not that I'm like worried about it, but we don't have to worry about building an audience on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. If our goal is to like build an audience, it doesn't actually matter where it comes from. It's whether it's YouTube, whether it's TikTok, but if TikTok were to incorporate long form podcasts, such an easy way for us to build that up. And I mean, I think our TikTok page has been going in a really good direction so far. Like Donald's built it up to 1,100, 1,200 people already yeah. in just like a month, a month and a half, which... You know, like I said, is bigger than our YouTube channel at this point, which started with a base of it already. So it's like we can put more focus and energy into that, build an audience much quicker, build an audience that's really in tune with what we're doing if we have the full length podcast on it. I don't know how it's going to work. So um, they say, you know, maybe it's a different app. I think that would be a little bit weird because you know, anytime there's change, people are a little bit hesitant to mm-hmm. it. Like I, I listen to podcasts on my, uh, on iTunes or whatever the Apple, you know, podcast app is. I don't necessarily like listening to on Spotify cause I've gotten so used to the Apple settings. Yeah. So doing it on TikTok now, it's like, you know, and then like some of your favorite creators won't put their podcasts onto the TikTok app. So then it's like, you're using two or three different apps to listen to podcasts. I'm like, eh, there's a lot of different options out there right now. I mean, we just did Germany trip, our Monday night stuff, and then all our snap stuff this week. We got this podcast, like content overload. What's your feelings on like, you guys are doing a lot too. post everything. Uh, do you think like quantity quality? I know this is kind of off script, but that's just like what's been on my mind. Cause I'm like, I don't even know what to post today. There's so much shit that, and that's a good thing. Like we're making a ton of content. Yeah. I mean, I, it kind of goes back to like whatever your, your North star, your goal is for it. And with TikTok, a lot of our 
we don't necessarily have goals for TikTok. It's just like, yeah. let's put out fun content, good content, content that we're enjoying. Let's continue to try to grow our following, right? And that's that allows us a lot of flexibility to put out whatever we want. If we're like, hey, this clip kind of sucked. Let's not put it out. Hey, let's experiment with this new idea. Let's put it out and see if it hits, if it has any success. Um, the only thing we're really beholden to is one, if if like there's a piece of content that we know the fans really like, like Ice Lunch, we're going to do that every single day. Our deal or no deal show that's weekly has a really strong like 100K to 150K following that they love. So we're going to continue doing that. Outside of that, anything that's sponsored, we'll continue to push. Anything that we're putting out that we don't think has a lot of traction or we don't enjoy doing, we will take off, off the clip. So in terms of TikTok, I mean, we're just kind of having fun with it and being flexible with it. In terms of YouTube, I feel like I'm much more directed and I almost know like which pieces of content will do what things for us. So showing everything is cool, but it's usually not realistic for a lot of people. So I think you kind of got to pick and choose. I do have a little bit of a tough time between um, content. Like, do I want to just continue putting out valuable content? Do I want to continue... Like, how do I split value versus documentation, right? right? Like, cause I, I just think like documenting everything is so, so fucking important for the journey and getting people to buy into what you're doing. So I, I have a tough time splitting between those two, but I don't know. I feel like for me, it's just like a gut or feeling thing. Yeah. All right. Well, the journey is prevalent right now. We want to talk about Isaac Rochelle plays for the Cleveland Browns and has a massive TikTok following, almost a million followers. His wife, Allison Cooch, I believe is how you say her last name. Last name name is Cooch. Cut. I think it's Cooch. I'm not sure. But she's got 1.2 million. She also has a burner account that has like 500,000. Like she's a monster on TikTok. That always... Dude, I want to do next weekend. We're doing the cringiest things for content creators. Yeah, and it it's always, not like a finsta. This, I think it. I actually like, follow my backup account. I'm like dog. <laughs> like I, I mean, hate that. I, I. It's so funny. We differ. Like I get it. But this, I think, started as like. Do you have a backup account somewhere? No, no, no I don't. Yeah. I wish I did because I'm know, just what I think I'm going to do for that draft of like cringiest things content creators. Dude, I'm just going to research all your content. <laughs> be like, hate that, hate that, hate that. Yeah. So, anyways, he got cut by the Browns, and you know, actually today we found out he was re-signed by the Browns. But the point is, when they have opened their lives, and that's what has made their content so relatable because it's about their relationship. She calls, you know, him playing the NFL his job, going to the office, goes to games. Like, she's hysterical. But when real-life shit happens and you have invited your audience in, what is the appropriate amount? How do you kind of play around it? Because at the end of the day, as smart, as good of a creator as he is, he's invested, He like, he's awesome. He'll be fine post-career. But, like, his story is about also being an NFL player. So if that's no longer the case, albeit for 48 hours, like, what are your feelings on this? I think you post as much as you want to. I think the only negative thing that can come from it is if you are saying you're going to do something or saying you're going to post this or that or the other thing and then don't follow through with it. But as long as you're kind of like going through a journey and documenting it and like keeping it open and fresh, I think there's no problem with putting out whatever you want. Like, you know, Gary Vee's another example where he is the most like known person, you know, one of the most known people on the planet. Mm -hmm. You you have no idea what his kids look like. You have no idea what his wife, I mean, like, obviously you can like probably find it if you look hard enough, but for someone who's so well known and so personable, you don't know that side of the family, like whatsoever. I think you're allowed to put out whatever the fuck you want. When it comes to like the personal journey, I I feel like the best way to go about it is not feeling pressure. Like the other people aren't you, like Mm -hmm. you get to choose what you want to share with it. I think the more open 
open and transparent you get with it, the more love and depth you'll get from the people back. Like there was someone who commented on one of the TikToks I ripped through last night that was like, yo, I love the transparency. This is like so awesome. Yeah. And I think the more transparent you can get about things that most people are not transparent about is it like the more you're going to build something real because completely. everyone goes through the same things, man. People don't want to talk about money. People don't want to talk about this, but it's like one of the most literally important it's fucking crazy. It's like people don't want, yeah, people don't want to talk about money, but it's, it's one of the most prominent thoughts in every single human being's everyone. life. It's the common denominator between every human yet. No one wants to talk about it's, it. It's insane. So it's when a, you it's do old way of thinking, yeah. right? Like you didn't talk to your parents about money. You don't pocket watch, which I understand there is a respect that comes with don't pocket watch. But like I talked to someone from a venture capital firm, yesterday first time ever first time i've i you know i shared this with you you haven't talked to anyone you know at because it just doesn't happen like Mm -hmm. these conversations don't happen and we were discussing like how would we even value our own companies no one gives you the fucking blueprint because no one wants to talk about it it's this big secret one of the uh the video that's like i think it's still the trailer on our youtube channel was from 2020 or 2021 a couple years ago where i was like this is our breakdown exactly. revenue wise everyone i meet that's not like a fantasy football fan that does know our channel that's one of the first things they say to me is like dude i love how like open you are i love that video you made from like three years it's my ago. favorite video yeah and like people love that one video just because you don't see that anywhere it wasn't hard for me to make it wasn't yeah. like i needed to lie about anything like me lying about my bank account does not make my bank account any bigger <laughs> or smaller you know well, like, well that that is something that's interesting right because the type of creator that i want to be is i want to be like the people's person like i want people to view me and be like i could do that like i could i don't um, you know i watch more sports than the average person but like it's not like i'm the i didn't play football at a high level like i I really feel like I can be one with the with the people. Once you open that up, though, right, there is a discussion between, okay, I am finally at a point where I'm making more money than the average person. So so does that so shift to, the but, content? Um, it can shift the content. I think the important part, you can't start there. That's the problem. Right, right. It's like if, if you didn't document or talk about anything and yeah. then the only thing you talked about was that part, you're like, ah, I'm making half a million dollars now. <laughs> then you come off not relatable. Right, right. But if you've documented it, like I made th- that single video, I made like the three years prior leading up to that yeah. as well. So it's like people have seen, it's like, yeah. okay, he's just a normal ass person. He got here. That makes it the relatable yeah. part of it. You're like, you know, he's not an asshole. You know, he worked hard for this. We've been able to watch the journey. So, I mean, you can be as open as you want with it. I think there's a, a bigger discussion here of the fact that like he's going to be more well-known than 99% of NFL players Mm -hmm. that are better than him on the field because of what he's done as a media person. And like everybody should be thinking this way. You're, you are this as your job, but you're also like a media brand in yourself. And he's been able to do something that's so profitable and so marketable. Like there are going to be sports media companies that are going to offer hundred percent more money than he made in the NFL because he's such a popular, you know how many girls probably have fallen in love with him because they love the story of that couple yeah. and they'll watch NFL games. If he's an announcer because of really, the following she's on TikTok. an announcer, she, I can't even describe like she has captive. If you want to learn audience building and relatability one-on-one, she's dominated it like yeah. gotten the nfl involved in it they there was a point where they almost well, what are some pieces of content that stick out to you that are like damn like she that that made you say like damn she's a good content creator was it like the production of literally, it? literally like literally everything she does uh like that's how highly i think of her as a content creator i would say what's her what's her name again it's allison i remember the last name <laughs> how do you do you know how to spell it k-u-c-h i believe if i had to describe what makes her content so good is that it's simple it's easy to consume. 
it's it's light, it's bright, it's relatable. It's really everything that you want out of a piece of content. Uh, and it's funny. She's, she's very entertaining. Yeah, I'm going to check out her content. I could tell right away that most of her content is high quality because... I mean, she, look at the views. She has 1.8 million followers and almost all of her videos get that, if not double. Like if you're doubling your Nuts. follower count on most no, of your view counts, yeah, you're probably doing something right. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll check her out. But I just, look, I think that's such a a cool discussion to have. Um, and, and we've seen it like you've seen in the past, like college football players vlog while they were on campus. And we saw like one kid, you know, I think there was a kid a couple of years ago that got like kicked out or kicked off the football team. Cause it was like, you got to choose one or the other and chose to vlog, right? <laughs> You're going to get destroyed, destroying. Yes. He is one of the biggest YouTubers in, in sports. Like but he's massive. I just, I'm going to get destroyed. I didn't say anything bad about him. No, like you, like one of those kids, like he's like uh, a mega star. You know, I don't know. I know you don't know. Content creators. I make content. I don't give a fuck about creators. <laughs> <laughs> nah, D, D's amazing and an incredible creator. But yes, he kind of set the standard. Uh, he went to UCF. He was a kicker, punter, and they were like YouTube or kick. And he was like, I'm going with YouTube. I can make, you know, a thousand bucks off a of video. Well, now he's multimillionaire, multimillion followers, subscribers. He's crushed it. But I think there's something cool to that because it's almost like, yeah, you, the, the more unrelatable of a position you're in the more people would like the content of you being relatable For that's sure. it like if you're because just no one's seen it right if you're just like an accountant or something you're like i mean honestly that's like interesting too like if you're actually able to open up and you're like this is what my life is like as an accountant in new york city or some shit yeah but the more unrelatable the job that you probably have the cooler it is to actually see what goes on but i do think i yeah. think that's unhelpful to the audience though right because none of us are in that position so how so i think with the accountant thing there is relatability to that there are people who need an account there are people who are going through tax season right now there are people who crypto just crashed so well, i just it. meant from like a personal yeah, yeah. brand standpoint like yeah. yeah like obviously if you're an accountant you can make content that helps with accounting like five five mistakes most beginners make the first time they're doing their own taxes right. like that's a fire fucking title but right there but you could also do uh, like a funny video, funny, relatable video as a dentist, like people are afraid to go to the dentist and, you know, Halloween, whatever. There, there's just so many fucking opportunities. I'm, for I'm thinking about changing my career path just to start making content like as a dentist. You know? that's, <laughs> I, I'm, that's doing fucking fired up. I'm doing biceps. I'm doing biceps. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a dentist. You're going to be a fucking fitness expert. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to do it all. There's so much opportunity out there. It makes me sick. Yeah. It makes so, me sick. So... <laughs> Real quick, back to the, the VC conversation. I'd say my biggest takeaway was he was kind of asking me, right, like Barstool could now live without Dave Portnoy. I don't know if the Pat McAfee show could necessarily. Snapback Sports couldn't live without me today, but we got to get it to a point where it could. And in my opinion, the fastest way to do that or the best way to do it is with creators. And so I, we're just going to keep beating this drum that opportunities are out there. Well, you sat down with the VC. One, how did you go about like getting in contact with the person and I like, got connected from my original from where I went to school growing up we're actually from like same zip code so just they were he was at a wedding um and I, I think the takeaway here on how did we get connected is is being out there like just putting content out there in every single way possible because that's the only way that my dad's friend who was at a wedding was thinking of me when he saw his friend who's at a VC firm who he hadn't seen in a decade, right? It's just like... So you were just like, let's you got in contact with him, let's sit down, He connected me, up. yeah. He was like, let's chat. We set up a call, 30 minutes. We talked through 
everything. But the biggest takeaway was kind of like, I got to get more faces, right? Like he was like, how do you decide where a piece of content goes on your own stuff or on Snapback? And I'm like, collab posts? Like, I don't know. You have other content creators now that BDG, you're the face of it. You're the top creator for it. But like theoretically over time, you could be moved away from it and it could be a standalone business. Yeah. So were there any things now? I mean, obviously get more creators involved. Is there anything that you didn't even think of going into the conversation that you came away with thinking differently now about your company, about the direction, about you as a creator, like anything financially, you know, just content, like anything. I would say no, but it confirmed a lot of like things that I thought. And I, I think You're smart for your own good. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> no, I, we address like imposter syndrome, right? Of like, do I think that I need someone to come in and scale the company for us? And I need to be the talent. Do I uh, need to raise money? Like I asked questions. I said, every founder I talk to says, don't raise money until you have to. And he's mm -hmm. like, that's exactly the advice that I would give. And I'm like, if I want to scale, what should I do? And it was all things that I kind of was aware of. So it, it was great confirmation. Yeah, I actually did. So there was a VC that reached out to me. I lived in Hell's Kitchen at the time. So this was two years ago, maybe three years ago. And he was a fan of my fantasy football stuff, but he worked for Steve Cohen's mm -hmm. um, VC fund. He okay. actually, uh, we got coffee one time. He traveled between Cali, New York. We got coffee and now he lives like a block away from me downtown. So we catch up from time to time. And it's so interesting hearing their thoughts because um, they play with so much money at the time, you yeah. know, but he very, very genuinely cares about my opinion on a lot of the things like he asked me about investing in Patreon like yeah, two years ago, yeah. three years ago. And I steered him like clear of it just from my personal opinion. He was like, yeah. Oh, Patreon was a bad investment. I hate Patreon. I think it's a shit platform that monopolized the market and then didn't innovate a single thing. Yeah. But from it. an investment perspective, I have no idea where it went. He just asked me what my thoughts were on yeah. it. I wasn't like, it's a good or bad investment. Right. I was like, personally, as a creator, I do not like the platform. Right. We're working towards getting away from it because they do nothing for us. Right, like right. every feature is a shitty one. They yes. don't innovate or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I told him he was like uh, I like appreciate that I talked to a couple other creators yeah. they had a similar thing we like ended up passing on it I think he told me that it was a good pass on their part um but it's cool to converse with them because we're in two separate worlds but we really are connected you know like well, what we do the, just has a wave effect we got boots on the ground like that's our fucking advantage like he was like yeah do you know mojo like we invest in them I'm like I could tell you everything about <laughs> mojo yeah, right yeah. that you probably want to know um, small uh, small ass world uh, that yeah. you and me are living in right now yeah. in New York <laughs> kind of funny all right, we're going to move on to a little bit of Q&A from the Discord. If you're not already in the Discord, we'll link that down below where you can ask us anything you want, and we'll probably feature it on the show. Vince asks, um, I've been trying to convince my buddy who still plays a ton of competitive games, lists a lot of different video games, to let me chop up his clips and post them to YouTube Shorts to see if we can get any traction. Getting him to commit is like trying to pull teeth. The question more or less is, a venture like that even worth the time if the actual creator of the content is not internally motivated about the idea? Basically, just because you see the potential of someone, how do you determine if that potential try and tap into i think i generalize that in a way that makes sense you go why no i read the question and you go <laughs> um i guess I, I my question would be i mean you say to see if it gets traction like there's a you have a, a motivation there something right like to get viewers to get subscribers eventually to make money or something i would ask you what your goal is and then he also has to have something that he likes, enjoys, or wants out of the equation. If there is a zero from his side, then yeah, you probably just can't do it. 
But if you can figure out something that he likes and then you tie in whatever your motive is to what he is doing, if it's like if he wants to make more money and you can figure out a way to, based on what you want to do, make him money, that's how you do it. You can't align two different things, though. Like if you want this out of this and he wants this out of this or nothing, there's not really a way to align it, in my opinion. I would say it's probably a time suck. You probably don't want to spend all your time motivating someone else who doesn't want the same thing. If you ever play competitive sports, I think that's a that I've been on special teams and I've been on really bad teams and it's very clear who's motivated, who's not. And when you got to spend your time making sure someone else is there, it's just a, it's a loss. Like you will be worse. You're probably in the right here. Um, this is a, a dating analogy I use out here in New York City. When you go out with a girl and she tells you, I don't want anything serious. I'm not looking for anything serious. You should believe her. Okay. Cause she's probably not looking when someone tells you who they are, you should probably believe them. So unless you can have a serious sit down with him and ask him if there was anything that he would actually want out of you doing that, ask him if he would like a, my question is why this person like find someone who matches your energy. And that doesn't mean matches your skill set because obviously you could do two, like one could be an editor. One could be talent. My bet is that this person isn't the most talented person in the world and doesn't have the best stories in the world. Right? Like it's, it's a very rare case where you need someone so badly. Now it's fun to do it with your friends because it's his homie. That's why it's right, like if you're right. going to the it's like you're going to the playground playing basketball and your friend can dunk and he's like a sick dunker. Yeah, you want to capture that, right? Like you could always go out to the to the playground and be and just like start capturing random people, but it's probably not the same effect. Maybe not the same energy, but maybe eventually that trickles over to you and, and you guys can align on the energy. I think it's a good point. Though. No, you, you could convince them and could turn them if the girl isn't looking for anything serious, but then they fall in love. Like, yes, you could turn someone in that direction. But if you're testing something and you, you don't have someone who's all in with you, it's just going to make that 10 times harder. So I would, I would say find someone else. Yeah. Getting him to commit is like trying to pull teeth. I mean, hey, you kind of answered your own question for you, to be honest. Yeah. In the spirit of transparency, Jay Niezi, he says, would love to hear specifics on your deal with prize picks and underdog. If they're able to be talked about amount of exclusivity paid monthly or annually set rate plus rev share or just set rate, any perspective you can share if this has been talked about already and I missed it. Let me know. I don't think it has. No, we haven't. We definitely haven't gone into specifics. I don't know what we can legally talk about. So I think <laughs> the total amount should be left off because I don't think those companies just in a competitive spirit yeah. would want to know. See, it's funny. I've been waiting for this moment for however many episodes we've been doing. About whether or not we're going to drop it. Because, 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 like, right, it's fuck big media. And I love Underdog and Mojo, PrizePix, Geek, whoever pays us. I love these companies because they let us do what we do. And and without them, we could not exist because we wouldn't make any money. But We're on a leash if we don't say it. No, it, it's just this idea of, like, we don't say it, so I know other people who get fucked because they are going... What we were just talking about, which is like you're bargaining against yourself, you're negotiating against yourself because no one knows what everyone costs. The reason why Jalen Brunson got $100 million from the Knicks is because he knew what the market value was. No one knows the market value. All right, fuck it. We ball? <laughs> I don't, that's the thing. And I don't know if it's a legal thing. Like, are they going to come after us? I don't know. 
This is, I can tell you this though, for sure. The advantage of being in an agency is I now see deal flow for all different sizes. And so now I know how to price things at least a little bit, right? We're not seeing everything, but now I know it's not just me slash snap exports and what we're worth, because I know that this person gets this. and I know this person gets this and, and it's just a game changer. I, I think we can talk about deal. Let's talk about deal structure first, because that is hyper important. So amount of exclusivity, um, exclusivity is an interesting concept depending on which creator you're talking to. Uh, uh, we are exclusive to prize picks in a DFS sense. So we are not allowed to work with any other DFS companies or companies that operate as DFS companies. Uh, that would be like FanDuel, DraftKings, Underdog, any Sweet companies brother. that fall into that realm. We are not exclusive on a sportsbook basis because they're not legally a sportsbook. We are not exclusive on a fantasy basis. So we'd be able to work with Sleeper. We'd be able to work with, you know, uh, okay. BetUS, whatever it is, because they're sportsbooks and fantasy terms. Typically, the bigger a deal is, the more intense a deal is, the more exclusivity that that partner is going to want. Obviously, um, like prize picks and underdog are kind of like head to head and they are two rising ships um, that compete with each other pretty much. So of course, they're going to say like, you know, we're giving you this much money. You're not allowed to work with our competitor. Also, you will see creators, you go onto their TikTok or their YouTube or whatever, and they're, you know, they're sponsoring a new platform every day. Um, so they clearly don't have exclusivity. But what I found in my experience, and I think this is probably common sense, but the more, you know, the more valuable you are to a company, the more they're paying you, the less um, opportunity you're going to have elsewhere. They're, they're going to try to wrap it up exclusively. Mm -hmm. Our underdog deal, multi-year deal, first multi-year deal we've ever done, uh, fully exclusive across all fantasy DFS sports book. Um, I'm the head of winning at underdog. So to be the head of winning and then go promote another company didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, we flat fee and then uh, essentially affiliate. So people who use our code to sign up were paid money on top of that. We have bonuses, we have incentives uh, the first year of the deal. So we're now in year two. We did a year deal and then booked the multi-year deal. Year one, we were offered, you know, just straight up the cash, uh, no added for affiliate. We negotiated that in our new deal and we had the opportunity to take equity. So we took like 60% equity of our cash offer for year one, a much smaller portion because we got to run the business in year two. Year three, uh, hopefully Sportsbook is launched and there's a bigger amount because now we're exclusive across all those categories. Uh, but it's cash, equity, uh, bonus, incentive, and then plus affiliate. So that's kind of what you're aiming for. You want all the pieces. Yeah, so our deal is also, in it, we're on a one-year exclusive deal. We are paid... We are paid monthly. The deal was negotiated in an annual setting, though. It's like, we're going to pay you this amount. You'll be paid monthly. So there is a flat cash fee that we're making. And the offer that they made us money-wise was also, we could take 0% of it in equity. We could take 100% of it in equity. Mm -hmm. We chose to take 0% in equity because of the cash expenses that we had to pay for the office, for the salaries, for the employees. Um, so we took all cash that's paid monthly. We also have a CPA on top of that. So they're giving us a flat fee. We could literally go out there. Obviously, this is bad faith and probably violate the contract in some sense, but we can go out not have a single person sign up and still get the flat fee that we're paid monthly. Um, but we do get a CPA, which is a dollar given to us for every single person that uses our promo code to download or, or pay on the, um, or to use the platform, whatever. So we're on that set rate plus rev share or just set rate. So set rate for sure is something that I've always done. Rev share, I've never done a deal in rev share. I've always felt like- Well, I would never do rev share in sports betting or me, fantasy. Me either. I don't actually know the- it's, a, it's very common in Europe. 
it's very uncommon here because it's in awful faith. It like feel, I'm promoting, yeah. you know, Knicks plus six and they lose and I get a percentage of the losses that you just can't. It do. always just feels like the percentage is so low too. They're like, oh, 4% rev share or something. I'm like, oh, over time. time someone it, needs, right. It's just no, like, I, I don't, it would, it would add up. Would it? Yeah. I've always, oh, yeah. I've always faded it because I just don't know. There's one you're, you're betting on, like you have to keep promoting it. You're betting on the company still like being successful, like them not doing something stupid. I feel like you're betting on too many outside sources at that point. But and then again, I've been a FanDuel customer since I was 18, right? So eight years of sports betting, I've lost a lot of money, which is way more than the $50 that I'm getting for, for a sign. Yeah. I mean like rev share, maybe for FanDuel, like seven years ago made sense or something, but I typically stay away from it. Um, it's also, you're just, it's just like very uncertain too. Yeah. You don't have like if for CPA, if I'm on a deal, I know exactly how much we're going to make in a given month based on like, if I'm like, Hey, I know this video is probably going to get us like 50 K views. I'll mm -hmm. probably get a hundred, 200, 300 signups per this. I know, I know roughly around mm -hmm. how much money we're making off of it versus a rev share. I've always just kind of stayed away from that. Um, you're like taking equity and losing players. It's just not a great, great situation. Yeah, a little in some things though, rev shares is rev probably. share can make sense too. Especially, I mean, if the percentage is like really high and yeah. it's something enticing, cool. If you want to play for the long game, that makes sense as well. So me and me and Jack just you didn't see it. We probably edited out. We were discussing whether or not we can actually go into the the finite money details of the contract, and we're both a little bit hesitant on it. <laughs> Because so all right, let me ask you this: You did a YouTube video and you exposed all that stuff. But I, I what did you do? You bucketed it. I I said like we made this much, and people. I was working with multiple companies at the time, and I would say like from affiliate deals, we made like hundred gotcha. k this year, and you don't know how much came from where and right. shit like that. Okay. Um, what I'll say for this deal is it was definitely in the six figure range, multi six figures, and won't give all the all the details on the money and stuff like that. But I want to get a point across about why investing that much money. You might say like, holy shit, they're giving you you know hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand. These are typical size deals that creators our size will get, right? Multi-year I mean, deals. Prize picks just signed AMP and Nelk. Those probably seven-figure deals. Yeah, so seven-figure deals. Myself, yourself. Here's what I'll say: We've been, I've been offered deals of you know two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand for exclusivity throughout a single year, mm -hmm. and that might sound like a ton of money for creators that have you know fifty thousand YouTube subscribers, something like that. But the math breaks down like this: in especially sports books and the gambling world, it takes a lot of money to acquire customers. Right now, FanDuel plus DraftKings, they have to spend $300 in order to acquire a player. They've done the math. They know the lifetime value of, of a player on their platform is probably like a thousand bucks. So they are making money. It just might take a little bit longer to do so. Platforms that come with us and say like, hey, we're going to give you $250,000. We know based on how much we're getting paid, based on the CPA, the extra money that we'll get paid for each signup, how much they're acquiring a customer for. So if you pay me $250,000 and I get you 5,000 signups, which is not crazy whatsoever, because we'll have YouTube videos throughout the summer that get 75,000, 100,000 views, and you can get a couple hundred signups per those views. And you do that over the course of a month. And before you know it, you've got 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 signups for this platform. And what that does based on the money that they give you is give them a CPA of 75 bucks. So it might seem like they're paying us a ton of money, but they're also getting a customer onto their platform for 75 bucks that they know the lifetime value of that customer is 750 bucks or a thousand bucks. So it's a good deal all around. We're getting a lot of money to operate with. They're making a lot of money on the lifetime value of their customer. Is it a good deal? For who? For you said all around. Is it a good deal? I think it's a good deal if you're happy with it. I'm extremely <laughs> happy with the deal with prize picks. Uh, I, I hope they're happy with it. But if yeah. the money adds up to where they're getting a player for $50, $75, even $100, and yeah. um, I mean, they have their own metrics where they're like, maybe they're, maybe they're comparing it directly to underdog. Maybe they're comparing it to the 
the market. Maybe right. they're comparing it to like where they know they'll be in three years. And as long as they're under that like $300 cap, mm-hmm. they're happy with it. I don't know how they look at it. So yeah. up to them. To no, decide. I think they're super happy. I um, definitely talk to them argue. about me. No, on, I haven't, but I will. Can you? Actually? <laughs> there are, Actually. <laughs> there, there are creators who I know, like, th- just that aren't coming through for them, right? That aren't equaling the dollars. And so in a net spend, I think they're acquiring customers at a good cost. I think if we're driving a ton of traffic, almost a substantial amount, then it's like, should we be paid more almost? And that's why you got to have bonuses. You got to have incentives when you can, if you're going to be successful. Now... If you're a creator who like gets a ton of views but doesn't drive a ton of attention or traffic or have meaningful following, then maybe just taking the those pay you know the flat cash and no affiliate is the way to go. Yeah, I mean it's yeah it, it depends on how well how good you are at um, converting and how natural your product or service that you're offering is to right. like the the content that you make. There's a million ways to structure a deal. I haven't you know we don't know the right one. I think at this point we both probably enjoy a flat fee plus some sort of CPA earlier on. Especially, I will say this, with a new platform, one that's relatively new, CPA deal for me is the way to go. If you believe really? in your audience, if you believe, yeah, hell yeah. Like when uh, Underdog was first starting, mm-hmm. I wanted like as, well, I mean, we took equity. So I guess, you know, yeah. it's tougher to say that way. But if you're a new platform and you have the audience that like we have or anyone has, it's much easier to get people to sign up. Like you're a brand new platform. It's so easy to get people to sign up the first year as opposed to like if you sign with FanDuel, right? Like you're never, you're not, you're not getting anyone to sign up for FanDuel that hasn't already signed up before. Right, right. So if you get a CPA that's so like 100, funny. 150. I, I think it goes both ways though, because the more people, the more time the company's existed, the more trust they have, the more likely that they've heard of the company and you could push them over the edge. Like it, it does play into both. Like I encourage Underdog to bring as many influencers and creators on because I think it just helps solidify the platform. Yeah, with me, I'm like, I, I just trust, I, I trust in my selling ability right. really, really highly. So if I get on a YouTube video and I promote a new fucking platform, yeah. I think my conversion rate's extremely high. I mean, Donna wanted us to talk about FTX. We'll keep it short, but like there, there are risks to that, right? Of like, you're bringing a new platform. You got to do diligence as opposed to like FanDuel DraftKings. You would think that you could trust them. Yeah, no, I, I, I You could agree. burn your audience, right? There, There's potential. This, I mean, this is- Robin kind, Hood. This is kind of relevant to like Mojo. Like yeah. uh, they're a new company. Yeah. We're like, one of their bigger brands that they signed to start promoting their company. And we even see a lot of comments like, this is a scam. Like, how is this real? Whatever. I... We did a lot of due diligence before we fucking went into this deal. We had lawyers back and forth, but more importantly, I met with our rep Harrison over at Mojo probably five times before we even started negotiating a contract. Yeah. I went into their office. I saw how legit things were. I saw what their team no, was made is, I know they're investors. Legit as, yeah, yeah, just just as an example, though, at this level, at this scale, I would never make a sizable deal without having a really strong relationship mm-hmm. with the company that we're doing it with. So I think that plays into it. Um, a lot of it is is gut and feel still, I think, about like the person that you're working with at the company. But if, yeah, always always do a little. I bit mean, of FTX though is this crazy example because they had Brady backing it, they had Otani, they had the Miami Heat. Like you could have never seen that coming. Yeah, um, like I, I can't really speak to it because I don't know anything about FTX. I'm not really like in the crypto world. If they offered me a bag, I'd you know be hard for me to say that I would have <laughs> turned it down right, you know, based right. on what they were offering. Yeah, I mean that that's a tough situation because I do think there's if something like that happens. 
happens. I does it really look terrible on you? Not in this situation, but there are situations. Like if there was a somewhat sketchy thing that you kind of push your audience to, this, like I said, it looked clear as day. This is legit. They're sponsoring yeah. the Miami Heat Stadium uh, arena. That's, that's what I mean. Like if you're not the, yeah. the man on the totem but, pole that's but, up there. But yes, people saw Tom Brady's face and invested mm. their money into FTX and lost it. And so could they blame him? That's Absolutely. Very, that's super fair, yeah. But but is this like the like did they not do diligence? Did they, is this a disaster? No, it's not a PR disaster for them. Yeah, it's a I mean, PR uh, dream for Larry David. You yeah. saw his part <laughs> yeah, yeah. of the commercial. He's like, yeah, I don't know yeah, about don't this. Know about, yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, all right, well that's gonna wrap up this episode of Big Content. Thank you guys for hanging out. Thank you for. Uh, sticking through this, this is a long. This might have been our longest episode ever. For sure. I think it was good though. Like I yeah. feel like we fucking absolutely destroyed this episode. There will be many TikTok clips made from this. The podcast is up on all podcast platforms, so make sure you subscribe to that. If you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. If you're new to the channel, um, and hit the button that looks like this, and all that other good social stuff. We'll be bye next Monday. Oh, well, will we not? I mean, I won't be here, so we got to figure out what we're gonna do. Why not? I'll be in Florida next Wednesday for the holidays. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. We'll cancel that. <laughs> I was gonna ask you what you do with with them. With them? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. does anyone leave for holidays, uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's? Tony's leaving right tomorrow. He'll be gone for the week or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we literally don't ever take holidays off, but they can take off as many days as they want. Yeah. We have unlimited PTO, so it's like show up when you want to. Yeah. I'm here like every day, so it's whatever. As long as we get the fucking work done, we're fine. Yeah.